And welcome into our Duck Territory podcast preview of Oregon's Week 3 game against uh, Wyoming on the road. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel's across the way. Hi, guys. Um, a couple things to get over. You know, look at this Wyoming game. Let's, let's before we get into your five keys mm-hmm. and uh, our score predictions and, you know, some other things about this game, just what's, I guess, what would be your overall confidence of this football game for Oregon to walk away with a victory? I would say pretty high. You know, looking at Wyoming's numbers in their first two games, they've split, by the way, if you aren't unfamiliar, they lost to Iowa in the opener in at Iowa um, and then beat Gardner-Webb, I believe, 27 nothing in the second yeah. game. Gardner-Webb's not a very good FCS team. Um, I haven't seen much from Wyoming in terms of just looking at the numbers and kind of watching some of the highlights to, see that, to say that I think this team is capable of beating Oregon. I think my confidence is probably a 9 that Oregon's going to win. Um, I think if, if they are going to lose, it's going to be Josh Allen just lights them up, and Wyoming's defense, which has been pretty good against the run and the pass, is, is better than we think, and that the numbers that we're seeing um, are – more indicative of their play than the opposing team's plays because neither Iowa or Gardner-Webb are particularly good offensively, so I'm kind of writing it off as they haven't played a good opponent. But maybe their defense is for real, and maybe Josh Allen goes out and he has an incredible day and he throws you know five touchdown passes. That's kind of the worst-case scenario. Right. But I, I, my confidence is high that, that none of that will happen, and Oregon will win, I think, fairly handily. I think this first half is going to, you know, for the first quarter, really, is going to tell us a lot about this game uh, for both teams, because for Wyoming, this is their Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest game they've had on campus in more than a couple of seasons uh, for for the Cowboys. Um, they know that you know they can make a huge statement not only for this season but for the longevity of their program right. by pulling off this upset. And then on top of that, they've got an elite quarterback in Josh Allen, a guy who. NFL, 16 NFL scouts, uh, more than half the NFL is, is going to be in uh, Laramie, Wyoming, to, to watch Josh Allen and, and watch Oregon play. Um, Big-time big time player here. Uh, I, I, I think also of note, you know, there's the altitude. Right. And, um, that, I, that's going to play a factor. And Mario Cristobal, Oregon's offensive coordinator, you know, he had a great quote earlier this week when he said, you know, it's going to be as big of an issue – Basic, I'm paraphrasing, but it's going to be basically mm-hmm. a big enough issue as you let it to be. Right. Um, what's Oregon's mindset, you know, with this? Are they going to be able to push through it? Is it going to be something that we're constantly seeing? Yeah. Um, and then, more, most importantly for me, um, I look at this game and I look at Oregon. They're one of the most penalized teams. They are in the country. They actually have the most penalties in the country right now, yeah. and the sixth most penalty yards. And they are playing their first road game of the season, and it's also the first road game of the Willitaka era. So I think there's going to be some hiccups here. Mm-hmm. I think I think in the first half, uh, it's going to be a lot closer than we would anticipate, and we're going to see that depth of Oregon kind of push through that in the second. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if. If Oregon is in a dogfight some, at some point in the third quarter, you know, and, and going back to the the altitude 
uh, thing. Uh, Laramie, Wyoming is is very very high. <laughs> Seventy, I think it's like seventy one hundred feet above sea level. For context, Boulder, Colorado, which is kind of like you know in the Pac twelve, is that's the altitude school. Yeah, is at fifty four hundred. So this is this is up there, and and, and for more context, Eugene is about four hundred feet above sea level. So I mean, this is this is a different type of place, and this is why midway through the week, I, I think it was Tuesday's practice was initially scheduled to be at Gilchrist High School in, in Central Oregon, which is, I think, about half of what um, Laramie is. So they ended up not going there, but obviously they're very aware of it, and I think that's one of those things where if, if you know, early on in the game, Oregon is struggling offensively or defensively, they seem winded, there's a, there's a good reason if that's the case, and I think if you start seeing that early on, that could be cause for concern. I don't expect that to be the case. Every player we spoke with and coach we spoke with basically said similar things to what Coach Cristobal said, which is that, you know, this is not going to be a factor. It's mental. It's it's not right. going to be physical. But that is something to be aware of, that this is not just, you know, oh, they're playing a couple couple thousand feet up. So this is 7,000 feet up, and that's, you know, it's a tall task. One other thing I think is really just a mystery uh, to me is that you look at this Wyoming defense, and you look at, in particular, the secondary, and – that, that the Cowboys have. And you, you look at it and say, wow, they're third in the country in passing yards allowed. Right. But teams in two games have only attempted 22 passes. Yes, exactly. I don't know what Wyoming is going to present at in the secondary. Yeah. And their defense is designed where they are going to have one more guy than you are in the box. They are built to stop the run. Mm-hmm. They are they are going to force you to throw the football. And if, if you load up nine guys in the box, they're going to have ten in the box. They want you to throw. And it's strange because last week against Gardner-Webb, they didn't – I think they threw the ball seven times, completed it twice for 22 yards. And interception, right. And, and then against Iowa week one, uh, they were like ten of like 15. Eight for 15, I think, yeah. Um, and they threw for like 150 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, it, it, it's just 100, you know, the, yeah, they threw for like 125, excuse me, and two touchdowns. So this team hasn't been tested and they're built to rely on those guys to play at a high level. And if there's an area where I think Oregon could just explode with production, it's in the secondary against, I mean, it's in that receiver position in the passing game against mm-hmm. Wyoming secondary just because they haven't seen the caliber of receiver that Oregon is going to throw out there. I think that's might be the biggest mystery in the game. You mentioned it. Teams just literally haven't tried to test them in the secondary. They've run, I think, 98 run plays against them in 22 pass plays, which is such a, like, that's a, it's just that's a, just a bizarre, yeah. So the numbers are really skewed, so you see that they're third in pass defense, but like, teams just aren't passing against them. Oregon will probably, sur- I would guess, will surpass 22 pass attempts for the game for sure, maybe even in the first half based upon how they threw it last game um, against Nebraska. I think Herbert had 25 first half pass attempts. I don't know if they're going to be as aggressive as on the ball this game, but yeah, that's going to be something that's very interesting to see. Is, is Wyoming's pass defense for real, right. or is it just they're ranked high because of the fact that they play teams that haven't passed the ball and that have bad pass offense? Gardner Webb, I think, runs like a triple option type thing, yes. so they've got like four running backs in the back, so they don't really throw anyway. Um, I think they ran like 65 times or something in that game. Um, so yeah, that's going to be very interesting. You know, one of my keys, and we can get to these in a second here, was was actually the opposite. I think they need to run the ball and establish that run game because, like you said, Wyoming is a team built for running the football or for stopping the run right. game. And if, if you're able to 
beat the team at their strength, like we've seen Oregon do kind of the last couple of weeks, I think, that kind of zaps your will. If you're kind of like, this is yeah. what we know we can do well, and they're just beating us down with it. If Oregon and Maurice Freeman in particular and that offensive line can come in and establish a run game where they're you know breaking off six, seven yards a carry, which is about what they're averaging right now, I think you're going to see that Wyoming defense kind of start to wilt and at that point. Maybe maybe if it is close in the first half, like you're saying, maybe in the second half they start running and running and running, and then all of a sudden that defense is giving up not just five, six yards of carry, 10, 12-yard chunks, and then Oregon's up and down the field, and the game really gets away from them. Yeah, Wyoming's uh, rushing defense and yards per carry. I don't like to do yards allowed just right. because uh, they're – like we mentioned, you know they've they've only been thrown on 22 times in in two games. Oregon's thrown the ball, I think, 22 times and a half, both yeah. both, both yeah. times. Yeah. Um. Uh, but but their yards per average uh, defense allowed 3.34 yards. They haven't given up a rushing touchdown, uh, which is really strange, uh, because right. Iowa scored I think. 20, 28 points, 27 points. Yeah, it's 23 uh, or something. Right? And then, you know, they threw two touchdowns, meaning they probably scored defensive touchdowns or special teams touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, against this team. Um, Cowboys have given up 3.34 yards per carry, which is just about middle of the road. It's, it's ranked 53rd in the country uh, for yards uh, allowed mm-hmm. uh, per carry. And I, I think what decides this game and, and how it shapes is – like you mentioned, can Oregon run the football? They're going to try and spread you out. They're going to pop, what they'll probably do is, you know, they'll probably have their three wide receivers, their one tight end, and and their running back, and then Herbert. You know, they'll, they'll probably try and move the ball on first down through the, through the through the air, and then when it's second and two or second and one, you know, go tempo, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, spread them out again, throw. You know, can Oregon create some kind of alleys in the run game and, and kind of force Wyoming? to get that extra guy out of the box. Because if they can, they're going to run right all over him, I think. Yeah, one thing I'm curious to see is we've seen a lot of running up the middle from Morgan, a lot of power run plays. I'm curious to see against the Wyoming defense where particularly that linebacker, they're maybe not quite as quick. I think Wyoming does have a couple good players at safety. I think Aaron Wingard was an all-conference player last year. Um, Brennan Schooler talked yeah. about him. I think they're good friends. But um, I'm curious to see if they run a little bit more horizontally rather than vertically, just in terms of, of getting the ball to the sides, running more sweeps and stuff, getting especially out of that diamond formation where they have three running backs, if they're if they're gonna use a little bit of that more option stuff outside rather than running it between the tackles. One thing I think we should mention before we get into some Facebook Live questions. questions here, yeah. Um we'll get to those here in a second here, but uh typically when we talk about road games or we talk about yeah conference road games, non conference road games for Oregon football, it's you know, they're going to a venue that's massive. Coliseum, over 100,000 people. Rose Bowl, over 100,000 people. Right. When they went to Tennessee, over 100,000 people. The yeah. Big House in Michigan, over 100,000 people. How are, How is Oregon going to react to this humongous crowd? You know, they play in front of 60,000 at home. They've played in front of 80,000 on a regular basis. But 80,000 to 100,000 is just a drastically big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a noticeable difference. It's the opposite yeah. in this game. Uh, Oregon has, hasn't played in this small of a venue. I think, uh, War Memorial is just under 30,000 people. It's like 29-7. Uh, it's tiny. Yeah. The smallest they've played in, this is the smallest venue they've played in since 1983 when Oregon went to San Jose State and played. And they played in, in front of a, uh, stadium that's capacity was 18,000. That, you know, 
they, they what's their vibe going to be like? It's I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a sold out game. I'm assuming I it's going to yeah. be raucous, but at the same time, it's going to have that big high school feel to it than an actual college football game. Does that play any kind of a impact on this on this game going forward for it, Oregon? It's really bizarre, and I don't even know exactly. It's almost kind of like in, in high school if you're used to seeing like a kid throw 85-mile-per-hour fastball and all of a sudden a kid comes up and throws 65. Yeah. It's like how do you respond to it? It's just something you don't see very often. So, yeah, I, I'm really curious to see that the, the stat that I think you posted in your Daily Dose this morning about this being the smallest in, you know, like you said, 34 years. That's that's pretty wild, and I, I – what does that even, what does that even look like? I mean, yeah. it's kind of those things. Neither of us are able to go, unfortunately, because of travel cost. Um, but I would I would love to have been in that building just to kind of feel like what's the vibe of twenty nine thousand? That's a weird number. It's kind of in between. It's actually interesting because I think the San Diego Chargers or now the Los Angeles Chargers are playing in a venue about the same size yeah. as the NFL, and they're opening their season this weekend too. So, but that's just a weird number. I mean, twenty nine thousand. I mean, they've they've played at Martin Stadium in, in Washington State, which is just I think. Just below 40. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've played at Utah State, which is the second lowest number before this uh, before this one. Yeah. Um, and that I think uh, Maverick Stadium was just above 30,000. Um, but that you know they haven't played at Utah State since 2001. These kids were early elementary school. Right. Uh, when when kindergarten preschool. Right. When uh, that game was played. So and none of the coaching you know coaching staff is was at that game. So. Um, it's just going to be a weird. I think it's going to be cool to look at. I mean, it'd be a cool experience to go to. But from what Oregon football is used to, it's drastically different. Yeah. All right, take some questions from Facebook Live here. Jonathan Charles asks, "Do you think the linebackers need to step up on defense and the receivers need to step up on offense?" I mean, we've said all year we thought those were the two weakest positions probably for the team. Um, I think the receiving group has really stepped up of late. I actually think the linebackers haven't been as bad um, as I expected. Um, one thing with the linebackers that Jonah, Jonah Moy, who's an outside linebacker for Oregon, uh, told me on Wednesday was that they think they're going to play a lot of base defense, which is two traditional outside linebackers, just gonna, which for Oregon will look a lot like Justin Hollins and Jonah Moy outside rather than that weird combo, Fotuliatu, Lamar Winston, um, linebacker is a little smaller. Um, to do that just so that they can contain the pocket and keep Josh Allen in the pocket because he's pretty dangerous when he gets outside and starts scrambling and he had 500 rush yards last year and seven touchdowns, and he can throw out of the pocket a lot. So I think look look to see the linebackers pretty prevalent in the defensive game plan. And you, Matt, you've already talked about the receivers and kind of the, the importance you see there in terms of the passing game. Yeah, well. I think you know against Wyoming, they're gonna. It's it's strange. Go back and watch the Nebraska game again. Go back and watch the Southern Utah game, and those teams DBs. Gave cushion and played man to man and didn't try and really press or be real physical mm-hmm, with right. Oregon's receivers. And while Herbert, you know, he has made some amazing throws, he's also been helped by the fact that, you know, teams aren't willing to or haven't been willing to, to really press and make this young receiving core, you know, test them at, you know, at the line of scrimmage with, with physicality. I think that changes tomorrow against Wyoming. Uh, I think the Cowboys are are really going to try and you know press. They're going to play more zone coverage. Uh, opens up the you know opportunity for big plays, but at the same time, big plays for Wyoming. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's take another question here um, from Adam Walsh. Do you think Scott Pagano will be getting playing time tomorrow? Yeah, I think I think Pagano plays. I think he's going to play. You know, going in, it's probably going to be a limited idea of mm-hmm. you know 
I don't think he has a, a, a snap count. You know, how many snaps will he play? And then after that, he's done. But they're going to be cautious with him. They just want to kind of get that rust off, get him prepared for Pac-12 play, unless they absolutely need to have him. Um, and if that's the case, they've got bigger problems than uh, Pagano's snap count here. But um, I, I think he plays. I think he plays in a limited role, just kind of get his feet wet and get and get ready for this season. There's another question, injury-related, that I actually hadn't heard about, and maybe you can um, add something to this. Scott Condon asks that he here says he'd heard that Austin Filio has uh, is doubtful with a foot injury. Have you heard anything about that? I have That's not. interesting. I've not heard that as he well. He was full practice all week, so um, it, it could have taken place on Thursday um, after we saw them practice. We are not aware of it. At least I'm not. Yeah, so, yeah that's one we haven't heard of. We'll, we'll do some digging on that, um, and, and may hopefully have an answer at some point. Probably not during this podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get on the phone and start but, I mean, phone calls. Last we've seen, you know, Monday's practice, or Tuesday's practice, Wednesday's and practice. Wednesday's yeah. practice. Uh, he was participating. He was. So. I have video of him doing reps on my phone. Um, Jordan Mendoza asks or says, "I'm predicting a two defensive touchdowns this game." Thoughts? Um, well, I mean that, that brings us to another point about Josh Allen, which is he has been turnover prone against Power Five schools. Um, I think one touchdown, seven interceptions um, against Nebraska at last year and Iowa this year combined. Um, not a guy who's Got a great touchdown to turnover ratio so far, and it kind of brings me a little bit back to Tanner Lee last week. I kind of, I don't want to say predicted, but said that this is a guy who's turnover prone. He might have some issues because of his numbers at Tulane. Oregon had four takeaways against him. I guess there's something similar happening in this one. Um, I think Oregon's secondary is much better, than much better than expected, much better. I think this is the best secondary they've had in, in a while. I think they've got a lot of talent at corner. Safety kind of has been a revolving door due to injuries, but... Um, I could see, I could certainly see Oregon forcing a lot of takeaways. Two defensive touchdowns is, is a tall task. I mean, that's that's a, a lot. We have to go back and look to the last time Oregon scored two touchdowns I don't think in the game. But I don't think they'll they'll get them, but I think they'll get turnovers that lead to true. short drives yeah. for Oregon's offense. I, yeah, absolutely. No, I'd say doubtful on two defensive touchdowns, but I, again, I'd have to go back and look. But I think it's probably been a couple, multiple years back since they had two touchdowns in one game. Um, it just seems a little far fetched, but who, if there's a team that you could do it against, conceivably, this might be it, one. It would be one of them just because Allen is a little turnover prone. And then you know, I think this is going to be a game too where uh, Wyoming is is going to come out, and maybe it's because of the potential for Oregon to score a lot of points. Uh, maybe you know, maybe it's you know a little bit because of their. They're built, you know, the way they've been built. Um, but I think Wyoming is going to throw the ball a lot. Well, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. They haven't been able to run it, period. Yeah. I mean, I think they have one of the worst rushing offenses in the country. I think their leading rusher has, like, 75 yards rushing on the season. So, I mean, this is not a team that has been able to throw the ball at, at all, um, which, again, makes Oregon's job defensively conceivably easier if that trend continues, which I would imagine it would. I mean, they... You talk about not being able to run the ball against good defenses. They couldn't run the ball against Gardner-Webb. I mean, he threw the ball 40 times uh, against Iowa. Mm -hmm. Um, He threw the ball, I I think, 23 times uh, against Gardner-Webb, but that was a game where they were in complete control. But um, you go back to the 2016 game log, you know, a lot of his games 30 or above in in passing attempts. And, you know, one other thing that's kind of sneaky about him is that he's also a decent runner. You know, I, right. I, I I think they're gonna you know he the ball is gonna be in his hands the mm-hmm. entire time, 
whether that's in on the ground game or yeah. while it, it's through the air like we would expect. But I think he's going to throw the ball a lot, and it's important for Oregon when he does run the football to make sure you get a hit on him. I think I saw this right, and it was interesting because last year he had, like like I said, I think 512 rush yards. I don't think yeah. he has a rush attempt this year from what I saw earlier. I think they've only run it with, like, four different running backs, and they've got pretty pathetic stats. But it's just, I, maybe they've gone away from that because they don't want him to get injured. Uh, he had eight for negative ten yards, um, but those count sacks. Just sacks. So, so he has yeah. run it, but I think it's mostly been... He has a long of 11 yards, but, you know, it looks like the other seven times are, prob- are probably sacks. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think that's an interesting, you know, Development because they didn't they didn't run him at all he didn't get sacked at yeah, all either. they haven't been making a concerted effort to include him in the running game which maybe is something that they're holding back you know against Oregon and then they'll unleash him in a lot of design run plays um, another question here from Andres QH do we end the season with three freshmen starting in the secondary Graham Lenore and Pickett or some other combo so. I I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see a different combination either on Saturday or by next week. Um, or, or I mean I, I don't I don't think Lenore is going to start probably this season. Yeah. Um, Pickett I think I, I was getting at Pickett more than anything else. I, I would be surprised if he starts by Arizona State. I think once they get some healthy bodies back, they'll start. Um, well, I mean I will say this. Um, I don't think Pickett came off the field against Nebraska in the second half. True. When Robinson went out, I don't think Pickett came out once. Um, and that you know that's a testament to his durability and his play because. Big time, big time game, true freshman making a big time play. Right. Um, I, I think Thomas Graham is pretty much locked in as a starter, and now it's going to be a duel between Ugo Amadi, Arian Springs, um, to to see who starts that other, you know, at the other spot, and then it's up to Diomede Lenore, who uh, Coach Scott said. You know, this week he had been battling some kind of an injury during part of fall camp, which got him a little bit behind, and now he's starting to round back into form. You know, how quickly can he adjust and get back into the into the flow of things, and uh, will he be good enough to to push uh, guys to get into that combination with uh, Amadi and, and Springs? Yeah. Um, my question is, what happens when Juwan Williams, Khalil Oliver, and, and like we expect today or tomorrow, Tiger Robinson to play again? When those two other guys get healthy and Brady Breeze gets healthy, how does Breeze factor in and how does that impact Nick Pickett? Because yeah. I think Pickett's shown he can play, mm-hmm. but is he on par or better than the guys ahead of him? I mean, Keith Hayward basically told me that it, it's it's going to be a dogfight between those guys. It's going to ma- be a matter of will. This was on Wednesday when I spoke with him. Um, and that, you know, I asked him that question. I said, you know, when some of these veterans start coming back, is is this his job to lose? And he said, well, I wouldn't even say it that way. I would say you know, it's a, he's made some great plays. He's a talented player. The other guys are also talented players, so it's going to be, I think he's basically saying it's anyone's ball game. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, I just certainly wouldn't put his, carve his name in stone as a starter. Um, I, I think, you know, and mentioning Lenore, I would probably be surprised if Lenore makes a start this season based upon what we've seen from the veterans and Thomas Graham, but, so yeah, answering the original question, I think we're both saying probably not. Yeah. Uh, next question, Jonathan Charles, do you expect Justin Herbert to put on a show, or is Justin going to sling it 15 times? Uh, I think he'll throw more than 15. Yeah, I think he might throw 15 in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, I you know I think this offensive attack is going to be built upon them uh, stretching the field vertically and horizontally to get the Cowboys out of their out of their defensive sets uh, to open up the run game. Yeah. I, yeah. I I think we'll see a, a decent. Amount of balance here 
with the Oregon offense, and I do think we'll see Justin throw the ball a decent amount. Uh, let's let's get to the keys of the game before we wrap up uh, this preview podcast. Yeah. Um, and we give our predictions. Uh, you can go to DuckTerritory.com and, and check out the five keys. Uh, if you've got more questions, I think I'll – and you're on Facebook Live. I think yeah. I'll probably go on Facebook Live sometime today or, or tomorrow talking a little bit, answering questions. I did it a couple days ago. I uh, got good reactions, so I think we'll do it again. So if you got questions, save them uh, for another time this weekend. Um, but for five keys um, – We've already touched on a lot of them. I yeah, you, I mean <laughs> – we mentioned, you know, the, the, the fact that Oregon is the most penalized team in the country. That was one of yours, limit penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, we also mentioned uh, make Wyoming's quarterback Josh Allen feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and I want to I touch on that a little bit more because one of the things I did notice looking through it, and on Wednesday the defensive coaches basically unanimously said we have to get pressure on him. All right. the players said we got pressure on him. So I went back and did some digging. When he's been pressured more than three times, they have not won a football game. Really. And when they've that's a good stat. And yeah, and, and if and games where he has not been sacked or not been pressured, they're undefeated. Not all that surprising. So basically, one one thing here is if I think if Oregon can get after him, he'll get uncomfortable. Jonah Moy said as much. Um, basically said that you know Coach Woody's told us, hey, once if we get pressure on him, he gets uncomfortable. It's a different quarterback. I think that's a big key is is if they're able to get pressure on him, they don't necessarily have to put him on the ground, but make him roll out of the pocket, make him feel uncomfortable, make some throws that are. Maybe, you know, because I think he's a guy who, in his head, based upon the talent around him, thinks I have to do this all by myself, and he might be one of those guys that's susceptible because of that mindset to maybe making some throws in tough situations that he probably shouldn't make that are ill-advised throws, and that's where Oregon capitalizes with turnovers. I think a big, a big guy, you know, two guys you don't necessarily think of in this type of a game where you're going in thinking, okay, they're going to throw the ball a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Um, is Austin Fialo and Jordan Scott, yeah. the, the Oregon's two nose guards, two true freshmen. Um, because if those guys can, can clap the pocket, demand double teams, uh, get, generate a big pass rush yeah. and, a, and a focus where the linemen have to, have to look inwards first instead of looking out who's coming off the edge, that makes everything else easier for, you know, Oregon starting defensive ends, Henry Mondu, Jalen Jelks, their outside linebackers, and Justin Hollins and Jonah Moy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can throw the duck position in, in right. Lamar. Right, I think we'll see a little of that, too. I think Lamar and Fotu. You know, if if Oregon's true freshman nose guards, uh, Fialo and Scott, can generate and disrupt the pocket, everything around them gets a whole lot easier. And that's going to be a, a kind of one of those games within the game right. uh, things to watch. Yeah, and, and one thing, going back to that really quickly, Moy, Moy did say that the, the, ho- the hope is that they can keep him in the pocket and that the interior rush can, can get to him and bring him down. Uh, one of your other position, one of the other uh, five keys to the game was winning the field position battle. I think this is something Oregon's done pretty well all year. They have done pretty well. And I think when you're playing against a team like Wyoming that is undermatched, you know, if you can make them go even 10, 20 yards further downfield for each drive, that's big. Because I think expecting Wyoming to have five or six 80-yard drives feels a little bit unreasonable. I mean, because I think Nebraska had just two or three last right. game. Um, to expect them to do that seems unreasonable. So if you can flip the field, depending upon the situation, and say you're at at the 30-yard line, and you can put them, you know, within their own 20-yard line. And that's where it comes down, to, I think, to Adam Stack. I think he has to step up. He's he's punted okay. Decent. I think 38 yards per punt average, which isn't great. You want it closer to 40 or above. Um, this is a big game for him, I think, if Oregon is stopped by this Wyoming defense. And, and, of course, if there's a scenario where they're not stopped and this kind of becomes obsolete and it doesn't matter. But if this is going to be a close game, 
you want to push Wyoming back and make them force them to have 80 plus yard drives. I 100% agree that this is a game for Stack where he needs to play well because he's he's played okay, but I don't think he's been wow. You know, he, I don't think he's ever had a kick yet where it's been. Holy crap! Oh, that was a big kick. Right. Um, you know, lucky for Oregon, he also hasn't had one where's holy crap that was a bad kick. <laughs> right. Uh, but this is not one of those games where you want to have your first holy crap that was bad. Uh, sorry, True. coach. Uh, type moment. Um, and then on top of that, I think just as important is. For him to have a good game, kicking the football and getting good velocity and good depth on his punts and kickoffs uh, from Aiden Schneider as yeah. well, Oregon's return game needs to play well too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've seen Tony Brooks James return a big kickoff to open the season. Uh, Charles Nelson has had a muffed punt. I mean, he has a muffed, yeah, muffed punt that he got against mm-hmm. Nebraska back. Luckily for them, uh, Tony Brooks James has fumbled a kickoff already and, and lost that. Um, I, I think. You need these guys to play sound because you don't want to have to go 90 yards, 85 yards uh, for your, for scoring drives. You want 75, 70, 65. Yep. You know, you want big returns. Right. Um, let's let's make our score predictions. Uh, I've gotten Carly's already. I haven't heard yours yet, so I'm kind of kind of curious. Uh, I've also loaded mine into a story we're going to load here okay. in a little bit, but uh, what's yours first? Give me a second here. Let, let me go with let me go with Carly's okay. first. Uh, she's, she's predicting, she's actually, the spread right now is 15. It's, mm-hmm. It opened at 13 and moved a half, a little bit. moved up to 14, and then, uh, as of Friday afternoon, the spread is now 15 points in Oregon's favor. Carly is saying the Ducks will not cover. Really? The 15 point spread. She has Oregon walking away with a 42-30 victory. So she doesn't believe in the Oregon defense, which, and that's not all that unreasonable. That's basically playing the averages of what Oregon has scored, basically an average and what the defense has allowed. So that's not unreasonable. Um, I'll say mine. I think Oregon's going to score 50 plus points. I think they're going to probably score, let's say 56, and I think they'll probably they're going to allow some points. I mean, I think Josh Allen's a good quarterback, so I'll say 56, 28. It's pretty close to what I have. Really, really very close. Really, uh, I have. Uh, this game being much closer than anticipated in the first half. I've got Oregon going into halftime winning 28-21. to 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Allen has a couple touchdown throws that are pretty impressive. Um, but then in the second half, Oregon's depth kind of prevails a little bit. Justin Herbert's four touchdowns in the first half, I think he throws, kind of opens things up for the run game. Uh, we see Oregon finish the game 56-31. Oh, very so, close. Very, very close. And by I, the way, we hadn't seen, I had not seen his prediction, so that wasn't, that wasn't reading off his screen and, you know, I, that, that's, we're very close. I, I, I think, you know. We spent too much time talking to each other about this, <laughs> I think that's the problem. I think Oregon's gonna beat the spread. I think, um, this is a game where it's, I kinda met it, you know, talked about it a couple times on the site this week. Uh, this is a statement game. I know Wyoming isn't, you know, a, a Boise State, you know, they're not a TCU when they were in the mountain. Excuse me, in the Mountain West Conference, but this is a game where you know there's going to be a lot of eyeballs in this state on how Oregon plays at Wyoming. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs in the Pac-12 Conference that are seeing how Willie Taggart's program will look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs inside the athletic department, seeing how Willie Taggart's team performs uh, first time on the road and. He, your first time you do something, you want a good showing. You want an impressive showing. You want people talking about it. I think Oregon's going to have – they're not going to run the score up, Mm-mm. but I think they're going to be pretty aggressive, uh, and they're going to make sure to hammer home that, hey, we're pretty good. And they, I think they get a big second half and win 56-31. All right. 
that'll do it for us, for uh, Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Prem here on the Duck Territory Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're on Facebook Live, uh, go ahead and, and continue following us on Facebook. Uh, if you aren't, you just got to go to facebook.com slash Oregon 247. Uh, we have... Whenever we do a podcast every Monday, every Friday, we do these lives. You're able to listen to them as we're recording, get your questions in. Uh, we also do Facebook Lives post-game, uh, Facebook Lives before games, and Facebook Lives after every football practice that we're able to go to. Uh, so we're constantly on there. And one last bit, if you're listening to us on the podcast or if you're listening to us on Facebook Live and you aren't a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, uh, we're currently offering a, a promo where you can get one month of VIP access for $1. Wow. $1 VIP access for $1. That goes away, though, uh, Saturday, uh, I believe, in the evening, uh, once all the football games have, have, conclu- have concluded uh, for the week. Uh, so if you're not subscribed, that's a perfect time to get your your uh, your first taste of VIP action. If if you have subscribed previously but you've been waiting for a promo, can't beat this one. $1 uh, gets you into VIP access uh, to DuckTerritory.com. So until we talk to you probably Saturday night and one of us will do something on mm-hmm. Facebook Live uh, post-game reaction, uh, we will see you soon. Thanks, guys.